Hey guys, so I'll make this pitch extremely easy for you. We've got a free $20 to hand to you, which you can use on fantasy sports betting immediately. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20, and you'll get an instant $20 bonus tacked onto that. With the NBA reset season and playoffs underway, fantasy sports and daily betting for the resident NBA junkie has never been this intense and this fun. And when it comes to fantasy betting platforms, make sure to make the right choice and hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for players that makes games super simple and intuitive that even first-time beginners can pick it up instantly. Enter a contest where all you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. You're merely dealing with over-under prop bets that each have a point total associated to them based on likelihood of occurring. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So what are you waiting for? Win some money on the side while you watch the excitement of this year's NBA playoffs. Again, use promo code LEGACY when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast where we are so close. More than the recommended social distancing measures of six feet close. So close I'm screaming inside of my heart per Japanese roller coaster regulations because NBA games that count and matter are just days away. The official restart of the 2019-20 NBA season is here. Tommy, are you screaming inside of your heart per Japanese roller coaster regulations? Yes. Have you heard of that regulation, by the way? No, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so in Japan, they actually opened up amusement parks again, and um, you can ride the roller coasters, but I guess amusement uh, park uh, officials uh. made a roller coaster PSA, and they actually videotaped two of the officials riding the roller coaster with masks on and they're showing absolutely no emotion as they loop de do in the air and at first i thought it was like a comedy video like one of those silent library videos that we used to watch in high school or whatever i was like this is a parody right but apparently it's like 100 percent serious and 100 percent real and they told the public hey when you ride these roller coasters scream inside of your heart do not yell do not shout just do it from within yourself. And I just thought that was uh, hilarious. So that is where that phrase comes from. And scream inside of our hearts, we shall, because the NBA season is here. Um, Tommy, I don't know if you've thought about this, but LeBron James' first two years as a Laker have been absolutely bizarre. 
year one, he sustains an injury and then that injury keeps him out for the longest time that he's, I think, ever had to stay out of the game. Maybe he had one Cavs year where he missed multiple games because of an ankle injury, but that last season was the first time he's he's really been out an extended period. Obviously, the first time he's missed the playoffs since he was a Cav. He had been to the finals like eight straight times. Uh, we missed the playoffs. Just Just a weird first year for LeBron James. This year, we thought we had gone back to some semblance of normalcy, but then obviously, start of the year, Kobe Bryant dies, and then the season literally shuts down. So... I don't know if you've actually taken a step back and realized just how bizarre LeBron James' first two years as a Laker have been. And at this point, I'm not even sure if we're ever going to get back to a sense of normalcy. But you add on top of that the fact that, I don't know if you've also realized this, but the Lakers haven't been to the playoffs in eight years. And maybe it's just due to the coverage that's happened with regards to like the independent scene and, and how that's kind of just given us a lot of content and, and kind of kept us afloat with regards to these last few years, but I just realized, man, are we still under this Lakers curse where until we actually see playoff basketball and until we actually win a first round, we're kind of still in this weird space of just like things haven't been normal since Kobe tore his Achilles, you know? I don't know if you have anything to say about that or if it's even just crossed your mind right now that like, oh yeah, it's it's been a while. It really has been. I mean, and that's why it's like the first, of course, the first time we're going potentially going to go back to the playoffs is, um, and I don't mean that because of seeding. I mean that because of literally, it, it feels like anything can get canceled at, at any moment. But um, of course, it would be during a weird time like this and during a weird year like this. And LeBron, you just have to give that guy so so many props. It really, he really does uh, set himself aside from the pack and just the way that after this many years and with how good and how skilled he is, he just com- continues to work the hardest he can to, you know, to, to be like one of the top players in the league, to not lose the focus, to, I mean, go out, go out there game one after four months off and play like, you know, he just was playing last week. It's just completely insane. Um, so if anything, the weirdness kind of makes you appreciate stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I'm still crossing my fingers until we see playoff basketball, because like you said, it could shut down at any moment and we're back into this space of like, God damn it. Regardless of whether or not we are the number one team in the league, at least number one in the Western Conference, we still somehow haven't made the playoffs. So I'm just holding my breath until that actually happens. And then once we play a playoff game, maybe win a round or two or whatever, then I can sort of breathe a sigh of relief. And I just don't want LeBron's entire tenure as a Laker to also be part of this extended curse that we've been under since Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles, you know? Because we can kind of tie it all back to that. But anyways... I'm just excited for playoff basketball to happen, for actual basketball games to count. I will get to my thoughts on whatever scrimmage game the Lakers just ended. Um, But before I get to that, Tommy, I'm going to test your NBA knowledge. This segment's going to be called Since We Last Left Off. I mean, it's been a while since we've thought about the NBA, and to the extent that we've thought about basketball again, it's mainly in our own little bubble of the Lakers. So I just want to test how far removed you've been from, like, basketball and NBA in general by just throwing out some random trivia questions just to see if you know the answers to this or even if I give you the answer you knew the answer so first question what team is Anthony Tolliver on oh (laughs) 
I hate. I was just gonna say if this is gonna become who he played for. I hate that, dude. Yep, it's <laughs> okay, the Charles okay. Barkley TNT game. Um, it's a team in the bubble. It's a team in the bubble. Is it Memphis? Oh, dude, yeah, it is Memphis. Nice. How do you do that? Nice. That's amazing. I always think of him as being on Minnesota, but then I remembered he got like cut and somebody picked him up, and I couldn't remember. He did. All right, who is Loot Dort, and what team does he play on? Dort. Oh, dude, I remember this guy from NBA 2K. Um, he just got an extension, I think. Pass to Dort. Um, is he on the? These are all bubble guys. Sorry, you said that already. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay, these okay, are okay. all bubble guys. Is he on the? Um, is he on the Wizards? Nope. Okay. He is on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And did you know that he starts on that team? I had no idea Wait, that Luke Dort starts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. I, I no idea. I guess he starts at shooting guard. He's a good defender. I honestly thought Luke Dort was some random white guy from overseas till I rewatched stuff. And I was like, oh, he's black and he's been playing for OKC this entire time. It's crazy. I thought he was one of those like on the bubble replacement guys when I heard OKC Thunder sign Luke Dort. And then I researched it and I was like, oh, he's been playing for this team and starting for them for much of this season. So crazy. Nice. Um, do you remember that D'Angelo Russell is a Minnesota Timberwolf? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> okay, because I didn't. Because I was like, he's on the Warriors, right? And I was like, oh, that's right. They swapped each other. <laughs> um, this is a little bit trickier, but uh, what percentage from three is Lonzo Ball shooting from three this year? Um, I Is it 30, 37%? I know he's significantly improved. Yeah, oh man, I, my internet's not working right now for whatever reason, but I think it's like 38%. It's Probably like a good. pretty good pretty good percentage, but good job. It is 38. Jeez Louise, that's crazy, I'm, right? I use two and a half makes a game. Isn't that nuts? That's nuts. That Wasn't he shooting like 30% with us? Like 32? Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, he always had this in him. I think he just needed to kind of refine yeah. it. Yeah. And his shot looks like a normal shot. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last two ones. What team does Marvin Williams play on? Oh. The Bucks. He plays on the Bucks. Yes. Very good. And this, this one should be easy because the Lakers played them in scrimmage. But what team does Michael Kidd Gilchrist play on? Oh, he, um, oh. Oh, I don't know, dude. I, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he plays on... I didn't prepare this segment, right? Oh, he's on the... He plays on the Mavs. Yeah, he's on the Mavs. He's on the Mavs. So there you go. That is our quick roundtable of since we last left off. And uh, pretty good in spite of the rust and everything. Pretty good on these answers. Uh, With that said, I'm going to ask one last question. But before I get to that, please follow us on Twitter, at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and view us five stars on iTunes. We are trying to get to 420. Lastly, please subscribe to us on YouTube. We've got some breakdown videos out there for Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith. My last question to you, Tommy, before I take it to break and then I just kind of recap the Lakers scrimmage games and kind of usher us into the official start of the season is, is there anything that you're particularly, anything that you're kind of pinpointing with regards to just the start of this Lakers season? Is there anything new that you're really going to be focusing in on? I think the number one thing that I'm going to be focusing in on is the defensive energy and the defensive effort and effectiveness and all mm. that stuff. I mean, we 
people forget because we established ourselves so quickly as one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. I mean, our defense was there so much earlier than our offense. Another thing people forget um, about this this weird season, but defensively, we were just, I mean, we were expected to not be, I don't even think of the top half of teams defensively. And we ended up like being the number one team, like right off, out of the gate. I think like when we ended, we were third or fourth, but it's been, it, we've been performing at such a high level considering the types of players we have. I mean, wing is so important in the NBA and we're starting like, you know, a 18 or 17 year vet and LeBron at that position. Um, we play two essentially by 2020 standards. We play two centers like um, Avery Bradley. People thought was getting a little bit more washed. You know, KCP was the best defender in our starting five on paper. You know, other than AD and and uh, he was an average defender the last couple of years. So it seemed like that wasn't going to be one of our strong suits, and it really became that. And I think so much of that is effort. And you, I just wonder with, you know, any kind of distractions or delays or things changing, obviously we've had some lineup shuffling, like, is that going to detract from the defensive mindset that we've sort of built up? Because that's going to be the only way that we, uh, we win this year. Yeah. And I want to add that I feel like, you know, there are some concerns with how Alex Caruso is going to step up in a, I don't know if he's going to have a much bigger role, but the Lakers are going to rely on him a little bit more, obviously with, with Rondo out. But I feel like regardless of what happens to him on the offensive end, Alex Caruso is sort of the perfect type of player to, regardless of the pressure and regardless of the intensity or whatever, he's the perfect kind of player for this setup where if things are going wrong with him, it doesn't matter. He'll probably just hustle even harder, you know, dive to the ball even harder, dive on the floor even crazier, you know, all that stuff. And especially given the no fans and everything, and you kind of just have to generate your own energy and mo- and momentum, I feel like Alex Caruso is that exact sort of junkyard dog, gritty type dude who, regardless of what's happening to him on the offensive end, even if he's not making the right decisions on these pick and rolls or whatever, his shot's not falling. At the very least, you know that he'll probably motivate himself on the defensive end, right? And at least provide that spark for the for the team. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. And the last thing I want to add is with regards to J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters, kind of follows this same through line for the Lakers with regards to the guys that they were picking up in the offseason, you know, guys who had something to prove, Dwight Howard, um, most specifically. But I don't know if you can tell even just from, the, you know, the scrimmage games, but like, you can tell that these guys have missed the game so much. I mean, everybody has missed the game, but especially these two guys. And, you know, Deion Waiters only played like, what, three games with the Heat this past season because of injuries and whatnot and gummy bears, but especially for, for J.R. Smith, I mean, the dude was depressed, you know? Uh, he thought his NBA career was over, and I think he's just happy to play basketball again, and meaningful basketball. His last tenure with the Cavs, he only played 11 games, and they were going an entirely different direction. They were tanking, rebuilding, and I feel like J.R. Smith finally has a chance to play for something meaningful again. And if there was any questions about whether or not he'll accept his role, I think just the fact that he's been away from the game for so long and he's kind of had it come back around to him, I think he'll take it more seriously and cherish it a little bit more. I think if there was no gap and he had just jumped to us after that calf stint, I'd be a little bit more worried about whether he'd be accepting with such a limited role. 
but I think the time off has given him perspective. He, I feel like he's really going to give his all in whatever amount of minutes he's going to get. I don't know if you had any thoughts on J.R. Smith and I guess Dion and just that added factor of, yo, that thing is real, you know, them having something approved, having that chip on their shoulder and in an environment where you do need to manufacture your own sort of bulletin board material and maybe not really, but I I think I'm just talking about from like an in-game perspective. It's nice to know that we continue to have these guys who just have something to prove and maybe on just like a basic level just cherish having basketball back again i know that goes for everybody but like i said especially guys like jr smith and, and Dion waiters yeah definitely look i think Dion waiters brings the obvious uh you know flashy ball handler dynamic and and adds another guy to the roster who's able to sort of create on his own um which the roster was sorely lacking. He appears to be in great shape. He does have something to prove because he doesn't want to be out of the league. He's not old. I mean, he's got years left and, you know, he's got to get uh, his, his contract. So he's got something big to prove. J.R. Smith, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I'm expecting him to compete defensively at a super high level. Um, his shooting is always going to be there. The big thing about both of these guys is they really seem to click with the rest of the team. Um, and oh, with a true. team where chemistry was like this important yep. and chemistry has like boosted everyone to like being the best versions of themselves. I mean, if you can, and maybe we should do an exercise. I mean, I'm not going to do this, but somebody <laughs> should do an exercise and go back to like before the preseason of last year and how we were like talking about different guys on the roster and talking about like different signings we made. Like if we could have scripted it, I don't know that it would have gone this good um, for our yeah. season this year, you know, just in terms of. Except for with maybe the slight exception of Kuzma, I think you could make the argument that everybody essentially hit their max potential. Like we had, like mm-hmm. Laker fans were mocked as overly optimistic when we suggested that on a, a team with like two superstars and good chemistry and a good role, Avery Bradley might be what he was two years ago as opposed to what he yep. was like last year. You know, J.R. Smith or sorry, Dwight Howard might be what he was, uh, might be the best version of himself instead of what he's been at like most years in his career, frankly, um, all that stuff kind of came to fruition. I think the same thing will happen with Dion and J.R. Smith. I think Dion is like ready to play. Um, J.R. Smith is ready to go out there and compete in the playoffs. And, and I think they're both going to have, uh, the maximum positive impact on this team because of the culture we already set and the fact that they click into it so easily. Yep. 100% agree. All right, with that said, we'll take it to break. And when we return, I'll just quickly close us out and usher us into, yeah, the start of the regular season and give my closing thoughts on the the last scrimmage game that happened, whichever game it is. So, Tommy, I will catch you later. The next time we talk, it's it's real NBA, baby. Real Lakers basketball. Lakers versus Clippers. Again, it's like like deja vu, but in entirely different new world. So I'll catch you later, Tommy. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, in case you missed our announcement at the top of the show, we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy Sports to give you guys a free $20 to play with. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20 and you'll get an instant $20 on top of that that you can play with on NBA games this season. So what are you waiting for? Double up on that $20, start playing some games, and maybe you'll come out with even more. It's Liddy on the Thrive Fantasy app. Oh, that's not their slogan. Prop up on the Thrive Fantasy app, but also it's Liddy. 
All right, and we are back. The Lakers have just wrapped up their scrimmage season by going 2-1, and one, defeating the Washington Wizards, with the bench and role players taking center stage. Funny that we were just talking about Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, the bubble cheese Henny God combo, just a second ago. We will definitely be diving more into both of them soon. But first, fun Lakers 2019-20 season fact as we officially head into this NBA reset. This past season, there was only one Lakers player who hit at least three threes in five straight games. Can you guess who that player is? Cue Jeopardy music here. Here I go as I run through the options. Uh, Nope, it is not LeBron James. Nope, it is not Danny Green. It is not Avery Bradley. And no, it is not KCP. Your answer for the only Lakers player this past season to hit at least three threes a game in five straight games is Mr. Kyle Kuzma, as he hit exactly three threes each game for five straight games during 11-10 to 11-17, going 15 of 32 from three overall. So, just goes to show you, even with how frustratingly inconsistent Kyle Kuzma has been this year, he still has shown flashes of being able to reliably produce. Has it been a dime a dozen? For sure. But just to say that, Kyle Kuzma can do it. And boy, did he reliably produce on Saturday as the birthday boy dropped 25 points a day after his 25th birthday, shooting a scorching 10 of 13 from the field, hitting 5 of 7 from 3, and grabbing 7 rebounds to boot. And this happened just a game after people were losing their minds over him shooting like crap and taking weird shots in scrimmage game one for the Lakers. And my goodness, guys, I don't know what to say about the people who are overreacting over Kyle Kuzma shooting four of 13 and I guess getting cooked by Luka a little bit, but we've just got to take a step back here and realize that Kyle Kuzma had two entirely different roles that he was assigned to play from game one to game two. If you want an explanation for why he wasn't as efficient in Game 1 as he was in Game 2, look no further than the fact that in Game 2, Cal Kuzma was back in his normal role as an off-ball shooting, off-ball cutting player in motion that was feeding off of LeBron James and Anthony Davis and other players like that. In Game 1, though, Frank Vogel essentially had him playing an on-ball point-forward role, a role that Cal Kuzma has barely gotten the opportunity to play all year, outside of games where Anthony Davis or LeBron James were absent. Coming out of four months of no basketball and being thrust back into a role like this with that type of usage, I'm not sure how any fans were expecting Kyle Kuzma to look comfortable out there or to look like Lamar Odom right off the bat. People were acting like this dude shot 6 of 20. He was just 4 of 13 from the field, guys. And two or three of his mid-range jump shots and threes were in and out. If just one or two of those shots roll in, Kyle Kuzma would have had a 6-for-13 night with 13 points and 7 rebounds. I doubt people would be overreacting the same way that they were after Game 1. People were hopping into my mentions saying, What happened to this dude lighting it up in scrimmage? They keep telling us about how on fire he is and he he barely shows up. And I'm just like... Guys, let's take a step back. Let's relax. I'm sure he was lighting it up in practice as an off-ball threat from three. And in game one, he was on ball for 
a majority of that game and only really had two three-point shot attempts. And one of those three-point shot attempts came on a offensive rebound that he just so happened to be in the vicinity to take or to get. So, you know, I mentioned in, in the last podcast with Tommy, but I said, let's wait till he actually assumes his more typical role as an off-ball shooter and cutter on the go before we make any judgments. So yeah, I was just really perplexed to the panic and outrage over Kuzma's game one. A scrimmage game one that had him playing out of position and trying out a role that he's understandably rusty in. But so is the tale with Lakers fans and Ka Kuzma. And I guess shame on me for expecting some perspective and calm objectivity towards this dude, even after a scrimmage game one. But regardless, it doesn't matter because Kuzma came out like gangbusters in game two, shut people up, 25 years old, 25 points. Like I mentioned, he played more off ball and displayed a purity in his jump shot that we haven't seen since, well, that five game stretch that I mentioned at the top of this segment and also that time that he was killing it for Team USA last August. Uh, So obviously really great for Kyle Kuzma to get that boost of confidence heading into seeding games. Not to mention, he still grabbed seven boards again uh, as he's been able to maintain that hustle, grit, and activity on the other side of the ball as well, regardless of what's happening to his jump shot. So overall, great for Kyle Kuzma and great for panicked fans to see that type of performance from Kuz. He obviously didn't play in the Wizards game, but better for the Lakers to play it safe. We know what Kyle Kuzma can provide this team. And yeah, when when Kyle Kuzma's rolling like that, providing energy on both ends and just shooting the lights out on the offensive end, the Lakers are a very, very tough team to beat. And Kyle Kuzma essentially like hits that upside that Lakers fans have always been trying to frustratedly mine from him. All right, but enough of Kyle Kuzma because he didn't play in this Wizards game. Uh, the moment we've all been waiting for or waitering for, Dion waiters for, uh, the Flash Brothers, the Stash Brothers, the Henny Gods, the Swish Cheese. The Lakers' two Bubble Wild Wings have proved every bit as dynamic and explosive as some of us have teased. We haven't seen a lot of the bad through three games, through three scrimmage games, but on this team, the Lakers have the luxury of keeping both of their minutes on a string, string cheese, and pulling either one of them if they're playing out of line. And so far, through three scrimmage games, and honestly, three combined NBA games played total in the last year between these two guys. J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters have bought into their respective roles. They've given their max effort in the minutes they've been allotted. And they're really proving their specific utilities to this team. With Dion, he's shown a lot of primary initiating, a lot of slashing in the mid-range and going straight into the paint, hitting that mid-range jump shot much more reliably than I thought and most of all just breaking the defense down every which way and um, causing havoc in the paint and in the lane and producing dump-off passes, easy buckets to other teammates and such. Uh, With J.R. Smith, especially in this last game where he had 20 points and hit 6 of 7 from 3, J.R. has obviously provided the pure shooting, some spatterings of nice playmaking, and also some pretty snazzy displays of his handle in the mid-range as well. Obviously, in this last game against the Washington Wizards, J.R. Smith was absolutely on fire. He had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 6 of 9 from the field, 6 of 7 from 3. Hit some ridiculously tough shots, including that one pump fake, double clutch, 3-point leaner. 
that was very reminiscent of J.R. Smith, and it's just encouraging to me that even before regular season games have begun, J.R. Smith is already looking like J.R. Smith, and I mean that in the best of terms. He looks confident, he's playing hard on defense, he's shuffling his feet, moving laterally. The guy looks far from washed, and I think even at 34 years old, given that he's only going to be playing limited minutes, I think they can mitigate how washed this guy looks, just purely because they're not going to overexert him and allow for his, you know, typical erratic play to bubble to the surface with extended time. So J.R. Smith has just been a consummate professional through these first three games. He's bought into his role. He's playing hard, playing very solid, sound defense through it all, not jumping and biting on pump fakes and whatnot, moving his feet, and just really playing hard. And most of all, he's just showing why he is the second best pure shooter on this team, right behind Danny Green. And even him being able to hit these tough shots again, that is very J.R. Smith-esque. And if he can channel the best of himself for this Lakers team, tough shot making is something we're definitely going to, to need in the playoffs. So welcome sight to see J.R. Swish back in the fold here, even in spite of the fact that he hasn't played a real NBA game since November 2018. So welcome back, Henny God. Henny shot is possible. Anything is possible. J.R. Smith. Uh, Dion Waiters has been pretty stellar and sound this entire scrimmage run. He only played three games for the Miami Heat this past 2019-20 season. So given that and given the quarantine, he looks spry. He looks pretty fast and conditioned out there in spite of the fact that he may have packed on a couple more pounds since those videos of him looking slim on roller skates that he provided all of Lakers Nation uh, during the summer. But yeah, this game, Dion Waiters showed more of his tantalizing upside and what exactly he could provide this team that we previously didn't have with uh, Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley. Uh, Dion Waiters had 18 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, 8 of 17 from the field. He missed both his 3-point shots, but I believe one 3-pointer in the 4th quarter was uh, his foot was right on the line. He had that ridiculous reverse layup near the end to seal the game where he was being double teamed and trapped above the 3-point line. And he still managed to break the blitz and dribble his way out of that straight into a layup. So the biggest thing that I've been surprised with with regards to Dion is just how confident he is in his pull-up mid-range jump shot. He's hit a couple of pull-up three-point shots as well. And in spite of the fact that he has been a stellar spot-up shooter in the last few years, I believe he's in the 93rd percentile in that respect, the fact that he can do this on ball and just be such an efficient scorer on ball while he's also trying to play make for others is a type of versatility that the Lakers simply didn't have prior to this. Overall, through three scrimmage games and limited minutes, he averaged 13 points, 2.6 assists, and he has just been a relentless driver into the paint, snaking through these pick and rolls. He's found chemistry with guys like Dwight Howard and other bigs. His ability to just break the defense down with his relentless driving and ability to get to the rim has just given the Lakers an entirely new dynamic that should prove lethal. Because prior to this, LeBron James was literally the only other player who could consistently uh, break his man down and break multiple men down, and on top of that, actually finish in the lane. And I mentioned this before, but, but Deion Waiters is such a crafty player. He's able to just use his his burly body in the lane, absorb contact, and unleash this crafty old man Andre Miller game. 
The best part about his drives is he knows how to barrel into bodies, maintain his balance, and finish effectively even with multiple defenders on him. You know, this last game against the Wizards, he had six assists and zero turnovers, which is really impressive. The last game he had four turnovers, but it was nice to see him improve in this respect and not be so sloppy with the ball. And overall, I, I think I am uh, very encouraged by how comfortable and composed he looks navigating these pick and rolls. He looks more in control than I expected him to be and less wild. So that's always encouraging. So so yeah, overall, Dion Waiters is just proving to be this firecracker sort of dynamic primary playmaker and scorer that the Lakers have been sorely missing. And the fact that he can hit tough shots like J.R. Smith and he seems confident as all hell, that will likely come back to bite the Lakers here and there in specific games. But overall, in the aggregate, this is the type of player that the Lakers needed to add to our versatility. Just add that other look, especially when LeBron James is on the bench. And so, yeah, bubble cheese, Philly cheese, total package. Welcome to the Lakers. If you guys haven't seen or watched my breakdown videos of Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, please go to our YouTube page, search Lakers Legacy. Please watch those deep dive videos because a lot of what I said and broke down about each of Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith's individual games have actually been coming to fruition. Obviously, it's just the first three scrimmage games, but it's encouraging to see that they've been able to channel the best parts of themselves here and already produce and show the Lakers how they can be effective contributing players to this team, and especially during this playoff run. And you'd have to imagine at this point that these guys are going to have roles on this team. Maybe Dion Waiters more so than J.R. Smith, but... Who knows, J.R. Smith is proving to be a pretty spry wing who doesn't seem to have lost a step even after being out for the last one and a half years, you know? So his shot looks as fluid as ever. His handle still looks tight. Defensively, he seems up to the task. So I don't know, man. Frank Vogel is going to have an interesting dilemma with how to parse out these minutes to all these contributing individuals. Last Wizards thoughts... And I guess just overall, last Lakers scrimmage thoughts. Look, through three games, the Lakers have looked very sharp. My biggest takeaway outside of that is everyone came out of these three scrimmage games healthy. And most of all, you just have to love how locked in the Lakers seem to be. You obviously don't want them to overexert themselves or push too much harder than they need to. But when it comes to mentality and being prepared, the Lakers seem laser focused, seem to have their priorities straight, Magic City stripper wings notwithstanding. Um, And that's the type of mentality that the Lakers have had since last year, back in September in training camp, you know. A lot of people may scoff at that and say that the Lakers are being extra, LeBron's being extra and corny. But hey, that's what got us to the number one seed in the West. And I think that's what's going to help us in this weird scenario, this, this Orlando bubble playoff scenario where... Things are already out of sorts. You know, teams are trying to find any semblance of chemistry and continuity that they can. And I feel like from that standpoint, the Lakers are doing a stellar job in um, keeping things together and and keeping everybody motivated and focused. Uh, Shout out to Alex Caruso. He had 17 points, five rebounds, six assists, three steals, hit four of six from the field, three of four from three. Uh, He looked like the very competent floor general that Lakers fans have been excited about. Most of all, though, glad that he got to see his three-point shot fall, especially leading up to that first game against the Clippers. 
You just want Alex Caruso to be confident in himself. You know he's going to bring it on the defensive end. You know he's going to hustle. You know he's going to dive for balls. But is he going to be able to knock down that open three-point shot? And from his end, psychologically, it's good for him to see the ball go into the basket as he had only played, you know, very briefly the game prior. Um, Special shout-outs to the Lakers G League team. Kaycock with a double-double, 11 and 10 in like 13 minutes. Costas with a 9 and 8. They looked good. Uh, THT had a, you know, mixed bag of a game, sort of a rough game, but he was able to knock down a three-point shot. Markeith Morris finally got his first action. I think he only played like six minutes, but like, but chucked the ball seven times. Hit a nice jump step mid-range J from the free throw line. So good to have him back in the fold after his absence for the first, you know, few days or weeks uh, of this quarantine resumption. Um... Dudbod, Jared Dudley, he hit a three in this game. He's been a consummate professional, knocks down his open threes, and uh, is an inspiration to dads and dad bods everywhere. Oh, lastly, KCP. At this point, KCP is just a solid, reliable given. He's been great passing out of the pick and roll, looking for these lobs to his big men. Most of the time, he's been making the right plays, taking the shots he's supposed to take, and been reliably hitting them as well. So... So yeah, I guess that's it with regards to my thoughts on the Lakers' scrimmage season. Uh, to the extent that you can have things firing on all cylinders after three scrimmage games, it feels like the Lakers have definitely been clicking from top to bottom, from MVP player to 15th man. Although, you know, LeBron's probably not going to win MVP, and Anthony Davis is probably not going to win Defensive Player of the Year, and Frank Vogel is probably not going to win Coach of the Year. But maybe the Lakers will use all of that as extra bulletin board material. So yeah, in conclusion, I just feel like the Lakers are on the right track here. They have the right mindset. It's a rare thing to have chemistry both on and off the court be so tangibly apparent. But for this team, you can definitely see their off-court chemistry bleeding into how they play on the court. And just the collective mindset and drive that they all seem to be displaying when they're out there playing for one another, cheering for one another. And that's just, I mean, it's so much fun to be a fan of that type of team. So the Lakers have good momentum heading into these next eight seeding games, which I still feel like should be pretty serious games that will feature the Lakers playoff rotational minutes for the majority of the time. And look, man, Lakers basketball is back. We're about to get official games that matter and mean something. And we can only hope and pray for health coming out of that. But as far as these three scrimmage games go, great primer to set us up for some exciting Lakers basketball this August into October. So with that said, glad to be back. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. As I mentioned, we're still trying to get to 420. And lastly, please check out my JR Swish and Bubble Cheese breakdown videos on YouTube. I think you will find them very informative and you will see a lot of things sync up with what you've seen from these two players in their scrimmage games this past weekend. So yeah, please remember to also subscribe to our channel, Lakers Legacy. With that said, the next time you listen to us, the next time you listen to me, uh, we will be doing a post game, hopefully, of the Lakers Clippers game one reset. So stay tuned for that. We will catch you guys later. Thank you guys for your support. And uh, yeah, It's lit.